Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. I know I said earlier, but my name is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor here. And it was really my honor, my privilege to get to do this each and every week. If I don't know you, if I've not met you yet, I want to meet you, all right? I, I, I want us as a church family to start doing life together. And I, I just got some exciting things. Is, is it okay to have some excitement in the house this morning? Is that all right? I got some exci- exciting things. I just want you to know, I want to remind you why we do what we do, all right? Some of you, some of you maybe you don't know, maybe, maybe you, you, you come and, and you like what you feel, but it, maybe you're looking for a church, and I just want you to know why we do what we do. So earlier this week, there was a, a kid going into the third grade who God put something in his heart that, that, that he could help provide food and feed families in Africa. And he went to his parents and he said, hey, I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to help somehow provide these keyhole gardens. And you see, these keyhole gardens are important because the soil is not very good there. And so they kind of help create the soil and it helps create um, the vegetation that they need and the food they need. And so, so his goal was just one. He said, man, if I could just do one keyhole garden that could kind of help a family for the first, you know, part of the year, three or four months of the year. And so he set out with a goal that he would raise, that he would raise enough money for one keyhole garden. And, and what, he, what he figured was, he said, hey, let's, let's squeeze lemons and let's make lemonade and sell lemonade. How many like lemonade? Let's go. Come on. Come on. Sweet tea and lemonade. Let's go. We, we're in the South. Let's hit it. And so, uh, so, so he, he got his, got his, started raising money. People's orders started coming in. And, and he fulfilled this first order. I mean, it was like instantly, bam. And then, and then another one came in, and, and another order came in. And, and man, just within a couple of hours, I, I got online, and I was looking through Facebook, and, and I saw that he, was, that he had this heart for, so that African families could have to be basically fed for a whole entire year. Three of these keyhole gardens would feed a family for a year. And I just think it's amazing. And so, so I said, dude, I wanna be in on that as a church. Like, I, I want our church to be a part of supporting our young people. Come on, we got great kids and we got great teenagers. Come on, I want to be a church that says, we're going to back you, we're going to support you. And so we'll, we'll, we'll actually buy one keyhole garden. And so thank you for your generosity because it provided us the ability to pay for one keyhole garden, all right? And so, so long story short, he sells enough lemonade and gets enough donations to buy six whole keyhole gardens so two families in Africa can eat for an entire year. I just think that's pretty amazing. Somewhere somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,200 he was able to raise. And so I just want to give it up for Aaron Plassance and he's out there at the water slide right now enjoying our kids ministry. But I just, come on, let's put our hands together. I think that's amazing. I think that is so amazing that God is speaking to our our kids and they're changing the world. 
as a third grader. Come on. If God can use a third grader, surely he can use us. Amen. I thought I could get a little bit more than that, but that's all right. Hey, uh, I, I want to I encourage you. Talk about making a difference with, with Keyhole Gardens, but we have Serve Day coming up July 13th. And I, man, I want, I want you to be, I'd love for you to be a part of it. We got some details we'll be rolling out here really soon, but on July 13th, we're going to be partnering with a couple different organizations. We'd love for you to go help serve for a couple hours and, and just make a difference in those organizations. And, and whatever, whatever they need is what we're doing. And uh, how many know sometimes that's just what you, whatever is needed is what we need to do to step in and, and, and show up, right? And so we're, we're not coming in with any, with any um, motivation other than to serve our city and to serve those around us. We're not trying to get anything back. It's just, hey. We're a church, we're in this community, we're in this area, and we want to do something that's going to help you. I think, that's, I think that's worth being excited about. And so, Serve Day, here in a couple weeks, it's on a Saturday, the 13th. Man, please make, make plans to be a part of that, and I know it's going to be a good time. So, hey, why don't you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, if you would. Luke chapter 7, or you could turn on your phones or your iPads and... Uh, I just want to encourage you to bring your Bible some way, shape, form, or fashion every week. Uh, it is God's Word. It's not dead, but it's alive, and it's actively speaking to us and changing us. And so whether it's on your phone or an actual physical Bible, uh, man, I encourage you uh, to bring that with you. And so I want you to know, hey, man, our church is almost a year and a half old. Man, can you believe it? A year and a half old almost. And I uh, just love what God's been doing. We are... We are portable. We are a portable church. Each and every each and every Sunday, we we show up and we we set up the setup like this, and we set up for our kids, and we set up the outside, and we basically transform the school uh, into a church. I think it's pretty neat. And so, uh, during the summer, uh, this is our summer location, and and we we've relocated to here to Goodson. We're in primarily just this all around the Cypress area uh, is where we have been. Uh, but I just love what God's been doing here in the la last couple of weeks that we've been here in Goodson Middle School. And so uh, I, I thought it was actually ironic but appropriate that even before we knew we were going to be uh, changing schools for the summer, uh, we had this series called Pardon the Interruption. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's ironic, but also the way God does things is that before we knew, like we, we labeled this series for this season uh, like six months ago, and uh, pardon the interruption, and I, I think it was appropriate for our church and, and where we are at uh, as, as, as a church and as a people, and uh, we, we really want to take through this series, this is the last week, but what we want to do today as we conclude it and wrap it up is we've been taking interruptions in the Bible. We've been talking about interruptions in the Bible and how people responded. How many, how many know interruptions are a part of life? They just are. Interruptions are a part of life. You had plans and a kid gets sick. Had to cancel. Anybody been there? You're going on a cruise, but a tropical storm or a hurricane hits the Gulf and the cruise gets canceled. Hopefully you had cruise insurance. <laughs> a coworker calls, they're stuck in traffic, 
and you had to move a meeting back or you had to cancel a meeting and move it to a different day. They're, they're interruptions, they, they happen, but, but how do you handle interruptions? Do you act frantically or impatient? Do you fly off the handle? Do you go a little crazy, anybody? Or do you embrace them and learn to just simply adjust? See, I love, anybody love sports? Man, I thought our church loved sports more than that. Come on. Like, like I love watching sports. Like, sports, it's so great. Like, right now, the NBA free agency, like, there's just people are moving and going to different teams. I, I love getting on ESPN and, and just, just seeing where people are going. And uh, I love watching the NFL and football. And uh, anybody, any football fans? Anybody love football? All right, come on, Texans, let's go. And so, and so, where's my sound man at now? So I'm just kidding. And so, uh, and so, man, I just I love sports. And one of the cool things about sports, as you watch them, it, it could be baseball, it could be it could be any sport, uh, is that the best teams learn to adjust. They have a plan, right? They have a scheme. They they know what they're they're set out to do and how they're going to do it, but what they do is they adjust midstream or at halftime or in the middle of the game so that they have the best chance to win. Like I think some of the coaches that do this the best is kind of like Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Like they come out, they're getting slaughtered in the first half, and they go into the into halftime, and they they come out like guns hot. Man, they, it is crazy, and they end up winning the game. Why? Because they 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 didn't they didn't get frantic in the interruption. They just said, "Hey, things aren't going as planned, but let's let's go ahead and adjust. Let's make some changes because we want to win." Uh, I think of. I think of Coach Popovich and, and the Spurs, and, and although I'm a Rockets fan, uh, I, I think Popovich is one of the best coaches uh, of all time, and, and the reason they went as far as they did in the playoffs this year was because he is a coach that adjusts for the enemy that they are getting ready to face, the other team, the opposite team. And so here we're in week four, week four of pardon the interruption. Last week, last week we had one of my childhood friends, Ben, and his wife, Ashley, Rush. They were here and he spoke and his wife sang and did an amazing job. And they're, they're planting a church in College Station uh, in January of 2020. And I, I told him, hey, we want to be a part of what God's doing in your church and in your life. And I, I feel like one of the things that God has called us to do is to, to champion other churches and to be a part of other churches. And can I tell you that other churches are not our competition? They're on the, we're on the same team. Can I tell you, we're on the same team. We're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to reach people. We're trying to let people know that there's hope for their lives and hope for tomorrow and that they don't have to settle for the status quo or mediocrity, but God's got greatness inside of them. And, and we want to pull that out of, uh, out of other people. And so I said, man, Ben, we want, to, we want to champion you. We want to come alongside of you. And can I tell you, your just generosity is always amazing. Uh, I told you last week I wanted to share this week what we were able to give them. And so we were able to give them 12 $1,250 uh, to help them go and plant. And so uh, as they're in this, this fundraising season, and so, man, I just, man, can I say thanks for, for loving on people, loving on people. You, you may never really attend that church. Uh, you may never see its fruit per se, uh, but can I tell you, you're a part of it. 
you're a part of it. As God laid it on your heart to give, can I say you are a part of that? So thanks so much. I love getting. I, I just I love getting to give, and uh, I think it's just a special thing. And so, uh, thanks for for making that a part of your giving last week. But Luke chapter seven, verse eleven. If you're there, say there. All right, here we go. It says soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. Now, when I read that, I thought to myself, soon afterward. Well, after what? Uh, I thought that was, uh, it kind of let me know that there was something before. You know, when you read the Bible, uh, it's good to read kind of what's before and what's also after uh, what you're reading, so you can kind of get full context of what's going on. Uh, potentially in the story or the parables that Jesus is is speaking on. And so, so it says soon afterwards, and so I, I went to, to verse 1 in chapter 7 and, and just began to look and begin to read 1 through 10. And as I was reading these verses, uh, there, was, there was this Roman officer, the centurion, and, and he had a servant who was, who was sick. He had a servant who was near death. And another, another version said that they were paralyzed with great pain. And, and so uh, this Roman officer sent these uh, these Jewish officials to go get Jesus. Now it's kind of weird that they that he would go send Jewish officials because Romans and Jews they just didn't quite get along very well back in those days. But but he would he went, he said, "Hey, Jesus is nearby. Would you go? Would you go get Jesus so he can come and and heal my servants?" So the, Jew, the Jewish leaders, they go and they go to Jesus and they say, hey, there's a very honorable Roman centurion. He's actually built us a temple, like he's for us, like he's a great guy, and he has a servant that's dying. Would you please come to his house so the servant can be healed? And, and so Jesus says, sure, I'll, I'll go. And then in the middle of all of that, the, the Roman guard or the Roman centurion, he, he actually sends another set of of people, and these happen to be Romans this time, part of his, his army, he said, hey, why don't you go ahead and go back to Jesus and tell him, hey, I'm not, I'm not worthy for you to be in my house. I'm not worthy for you to step across the threshold of my door. But if you just would say the word, if you just would speak and say, let my servant be healed, I just, I believe that my servant would be healed. And Jesus said, man, I have not seen faith like this in a long time. Let your servant be healed. Now go and tell him. And the Bible says at that moment when he said, let your servant be healed, the Bible tells us that the servant was healed within that hour, at that moment, at that time. How many of you know, I thought it was really strange that the Roman would send the Jews, but how many of you know when you got somebody that you really care about, somebody that's something's going on in your life and in your situation, like, like you you don't really care who goes get Jesus, just somebody go get Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I need some help. Like, when you need help in a situation, like, it doesn't matter who helps you, but God, please, somebody help me. Yeah. You got a flat tire on the side of the road. Like, you don't care who comes and helps, just please, somebody come help. Right? You need, you need some help in, a, in an area of your life. I mean, you're like, man, I just need some help. Would somebody please, that knows what they're doing, come help me. And so they would... So Jesus heals this servant, and then, and then this is where we find verse 12. So soon afterward, right, Jesus went with his disciples. What? So he was in Capernaum. He walked about a day's journey to a city called Nain. This crowd is following him, and verse 12 says, A funeral procession 
was coming out as he approached the village gate. So he just saved one person's life that was about to die. And now he's going to a funeral. Man, that's a, that's a hard week right there. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And so you got to realize this, this wasn't a closed coffin as maybe we're familiar with, but it, it could have been a couple of different things. It could have been in a coffin that was, was actually open uh, on the top or uh, as, as the scripture says, they were pushing him on on this, we'll call it like a wheelbarrow. And, and he was just resting on this as they were taking him uh, to his graveside. And so then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Everybody say, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. Man, sometimes we just need to tell our circumstances and situations, it's time to get up. Like sometimes we just need to encourage ourselves in the Lord, it's time to get up. And so then the dead boy, he sat up, he began to talk. What's up? And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd and they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. Man, let that be said today about us, that God has visited us today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Cyprus and the surrounding Houston area. So the title of my message today is this, Throw Your Shovel Away. Everybody say, throw your shovel away. Come on, tell your neighbor next to you, throw your shovel away. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, there's a few things I want you to know. I, I want to encourage you to be taking notes either if you have a, a notepad or, or on your phone. Uh, man, take some notes here today so as you go throughout this week, you can listen uh, or you can go back and just kind of reflect on God's word today uh, as he speaks. But there's a few things I want you to know. The first thing is this, is I want you to know that the Lord sees. The Lord sees. In verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, the Lord sees. See, there's more here to the story than what meets the eye because here, here Jesus walks up in the middle of a, a funeral procession. And there's, there's not just a death here. There's mourning and there's turmoil and there's this emotional wound of losing a loved one and the hurt and the grief that comes from, from such a loss with this widow. But there's also... There's also, as you study the scriptures, that there's also this economic ramifications that, that there, there's something else going on here because she's a widow and her husband has died. Her husband is not alive anymore. And, and now her son, her only son, has died. And so her financial support system is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So not only is all of her loved ones gone, but, but now it's like, how am I going to survive? The, there was no life insurance and, and there was nothing set aside for her for a rainy day. And, and she couldn't have enough money to pay off the house. And like, she, she didn't know, like, she probably was thinking, my life is actually almost over also. But then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. How many of you know Jesus always shows up at the right time? 
They were getting ready to leave the city gate and Jesus is walking in. He always shows up at the right time. In fact, I was reminded of this, this, old, uh, this old gospel song. I don't know about any of you. Uh, I, I'm a church brat. I grew up in church, um, but I, I just, I love music. And I, I was just was reminded of this, this old gospel song. And I, I went on YouTube and I, I watched it for a minute earlier this week just to kind of refresh myself. Uh, but this, this song, uh, this song would say, he's an on time. I'm God, yes he is, oh, 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 and on time, God, yes he is. And so I was like, dude, how awesome is that? How many know that he's an on time? They go on to say, say, Job said, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. I tell you, he's an on time, God. Yes he is. Just need a little drums. Anyways, um, sorry. But he's an on-time God. But not only does Jesus see, he, move, he is moved. He sees and he moves. When the Lord saw her, the, the second part of verse 13, his heart, the Bible says, overflowed with compassion. In other scriptures, you see, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He's He's concerned for the widow, for he knows what the widow is going through in this moment. He knows what she is thinking. And instead of continuing just to walk on by, he stops the funeral. Now, he could have told her, hey, I'm praying for you. Hope you're going to be okay. But he didn't say that. He didn't say, well, Man, I'm really sorry. No, he stops. He tells her, stop crying. I don't know about you, but that's kind of an odd thing to tell somebody at a funeral. Like at funerals and funeral processions and loved ones, like, like yeah, it, it is a sad moment. It, there's, there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of grieving that is happening in that moment. It's, it's odd to tell the mother who just lost her son that's on her way to bury him to stop crying. But he wasn't trying to be insensitive. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. The Bible says that he was, he was overflowed with compassion. He just knew the power that lived on the inside of him. He's saying, hey, don't, don't cry. Like if you knew what I just did over here and spoke to a man's servant and healed them, you would know that that same power that was used for that is the same power that can raise him from the dead. Don't cry, ma'am. What, what seems impossible is possible with God. And he brings the boy back to life. Verse 14 said, then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. Now you're gonna know that Jesus is, is ceremonially ceremonial, I don't even know, I can't even say the word right now. Ceremonially? Ceremonially, thank you. <laughs> I was like, that does not sound right. So, he touches the dead boy, the coffin, and in that culture, you would be unclean, like, and then you would impact everybody else around you. But it didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter what other people were going to say. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew his purpose. In that moment, he touched it, and the bears stopped. And he said, young man, 
I tell you to get up. And then the boy sat up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. He saw, he was moved, and how many know that's a good day? How many know when, when, when something is dead and it's brought back to life, how many know that's a good day? When the Bible tells us that when we are saved and we, we receive Jesus into our heart, that old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. That's a, that's a good day, and I want you to, to write this down, that the Lord makes things better. How many know that, that widow that day, she, she, that was a good day for her. The Lord stepped in and he made things better. I, I love what Romans 8, 28 says. It says, and we know that in all things. Can you say that? All things. Come on, say it again. All things. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The Lord makes things better. So how does this really apply to us today? How do, we, how do we flesh this out today? Yeah, it's great. The Lord sees, he moves, he makes things better. But how does that work for my life today? How does it work for your life today? Maybe, maybe you walked in here and you're getting ready to throw in the towel. The Bible tells us that they were at the city gate. They, they were at the place where everybody meets they, they were at church on Sunday morning, but, but they were getting ready to walk out of the city gate. They were getting ready to walk out of the protection that they're used to. They're getting ready to walk out into maybe some foreign lands or some foreign situations. They were getting ready to walk out. But Jesus, he stepped in. Can I tell you that maybe, maybe you're ready to quit on God today? Maybe you're ready to walk out on your marriage today. Maybe you're getting ready to do something that God never called you to do. Maybe you're all in your feelings today. Can I tell you that you can't trust your feelings? You can't trust your feelings because there's times, like if you've been married long enough, you may have had the thought once or twice, man, oh, I'm married today. Like because it takes work sometimes, doesn't it? Come on, marriage takes work. Come on, I'm not the only one, right? Like, it takes work, all right? Maybe your marriage is perfect. Like, half of my marriage is perfect. God's still working on me, okay? And so, uh, but, but like, it, it's, it's tough. There's a struggle sometimes. You're trying to, trying to work things out. You can't just go on your feelings. It, it'd be great to, to go to your job tomorrow that you hate and quit, but you, but you know that you got to pay your bills tomorrow. You know that it's a new month tomorrow, and, and like, you got things to do and take care of kids and feed mouths and all these things. You can't trust your feelings because your feelings will lead you astray. Men, our culture will say things like, hey, just follow your heart. Can I tell you, don't do that. That's bad advice. Don't follow your heart. The Bible tells us our heart is wicked. Like, like don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus and follow his voice and, and, and follow his word. Just as maybe you're getting ready to walk out on something or somebody, I believe that Jesus has walked in here today. But you're not here by accident. You're not, you're not here just because you thought it would be a good day to go to church. I'm telling you that you're here because Jesus has got a purpose for your life. Why? Because he's an on-time God. Because he's an on-time God. 
Oh, I know it may look bleak and I know it may be tough and the struggle may be real, but but can I tell you, he's an on-time God. Why? Because he sees you. Because he sees where you're at today. He knows what you're going through. He's seen you hurt long enough. So why are you getting ready to bury what Jesus wants to breathe life into again? Why are you wanting to bury what Jesus is wanting to breathe life into again? Some of you are ready to quit and you're ready to, to get the shovel. Let's just start burying this thing. Let's just, let's just bury it. Like, like I'm tired of it. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Nobody understands me. But can I tell you, don't quit. Jesus will meet you at the gate today. You don't have to quit. Throw your shovel away. Don't bury what Jesus wants to breathe life into again. Can I tell you that Jesus is not afraid of dead things? Mm. <laughs> he's not afraid of dead things. In fact, if you don't know, Jesus himself was dead for a few days. He didn't stay that way either. And neither should you. Neither should your circumstances. I just believe that Jesus has walked up in this place and he wants you to know that the same power that was used to speak to heal a servant, a servant the same power that was used to to resurrect the dead is the same power that's here today to bring those dead dreams alive, to bring marriages back together, to bring hope where there's hopelessness. Come on, to take the brokenhearted and to let you know that it's gonna be okay. He'll take the damaged relationship and he'll bring it back together. He'll bring it back together again. I love that song because if he did it for somebody else, he can do it again for me. Come on, it may not look the same. It may look a little different. It may sound a little bit different. But if he did it before, he can do it again. The Bible tells us that he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think or imagine. Like, I just pray today that Jesus blows your mind today. I pray that Jesus steps into your city gate, the walls of your heart, that the walls would begin to be opened, that the gate would be open, that you wouldn't be closed off today, that you wouldn't be shut off to Jesus today, but you would open up your heart today and let him step into your circumstance and your situation and to your hurting and to your grief and to whatever you've got going on in your life and your marriage and let him just kind of Give him a sneak peek and say, Jesus, I need you to step in and speak life into what seems dead. He's able. If he did it for them in the Bible, I believe he can do it for us today. In fact, the Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's a God that does not change. So let's be like Jesus. I felt like this word today was, was not just for, for us individually, but I feel like it was also a reminder for our church that as a church that we would be like Jesus. That when we come across or come up on situations, that we would look with our spiritual eyes and not just the physical. We wouldn't just look for what we see in the natural, but we would look at it and say, God, what is going on here that you want to use me and speak into somebody's life? You see, Jesus not only saw the hurting, 
but he did something about it. Jesus just didn't see a little boy wanting to raise money for African families. He did something about it. Jesus sees the hurting and he's overflowed with compassion. Can I tell you, as a church, can we allow the hurts and the pains of others to interrupt us? Can we let the struggles of people, can we allow them to interrupt us? Can we create enough margin in our life to allow God to use us? Maybe God can't use us because we don't have enough space in our life to allow God to use us. Allow those hurts and pains of others to interrupt us and be committed to helping as we can. Be committed, see and do. I've never found an interruption that was convenient. That don't happen. That's why they're called interruptions. You interrupted something that I was already doing, right? If I'm being honest, I don't like interruptions. They annoy me sometimes. Jesus is working on me. I can be a little impatient at times. Like plans change and I'm like, oh, why did my plans change? I had it set, I was perfect. We were gonna be here, we're gonna do this, we're gonna go here, we're gonna do that. It's gonna be great, everybody's gonna love it. And then plans change, something interrupts the plan. Can I tell you to embrace the interruption? See, most of the time, the most helpful thing we can do is, is give, a, give other people ourselves. When there's an interruption in our life, it may not be your interruption, somebody else's interruption. Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call. Maybe somebody's house is on fire. Maybe they're in a car accident. I think, I think a lot of times Jesus is just asking us, will you just give them yourself? We have serve day coming up. It's a great way just to give of yourself. And as comfortable, uncomfortable as it makes us, a lot of times we just gotta stop avoiding the funeral. I'm so thankful as I read that scripture that Jesus didn't avoid the funeral. I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't say, yo, praying for you. I'll see you later. No, but Jesus saw and he stopped. Can we be a church? Can we be a people that sees and we do something about it? That we could stop the funeral? You see, for every single one of us, there's, there's a situation we consistently sidestep. Come on, in your own life, I want you kind of to play some things out in your mind today. Consistently sidestep. I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to have that conversation right now. 
a person we consistently avoid. Maybe they hurt us, maybe they made you mad. So you, can, you constantly try to, to avoid them. You've defriended them on Facebook. You stopped following them on Instagram. Ha <laughs> ha, showed them. You say you've forgiven them, but you really haven't. Can I tell you a good test to know if you've forgiven them or not? Is when you're in the grocery store and you see them and they're, they're in the meat area and you're going to the meat area. The test is, is do you continue to go to the meat area or you go to the eggs on the other side of the store? I want to know if God's done something in your heart. It's a good test. A funeral we consistently dodge. I don't want to deal with that right now. I don't want to deal with that pain because it hurts too much right now. And I get it. This, it's real life. Man, life hurts. Life isn't always rosy and it's not always comfortable. A lot of times life can hurt. But can I encourage you to not run from it? As a church, let's not run from it. Let's run to it. I, I believe that our church is called to be like Jesus and to go and stop the procession. Not, not just join the procession, but let's, let's stop the procession. Let's wade into the hurts and the pains of other people and, and help as we can. Let's let other people know, hey, I know how you feel today. I, I know what's going, what you're going through in your life right now. Why? Because I went through some similar stuff. Hey, I understand why you're, why you're sad and you're upset, but can I tell you, stop crying. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I just believe Jesus wants you to know that it's going to be okay. I was at a, I was at a conference last week, like a pastor's round table, about 30 other pastors and out of state and had a few hours to kind of before our, before our flight, coming back home. And so just, just kind of thought, hey, let's go, let's go to the Civil Rights Museum. I was in Memphis and I was like, man, I, you know, Martin Luther King and just that whole Civil Rights Museum. I just thought, man, this would be amazing to go just read up on history and just a part of history that you hear about, but I wasn't 100% familiar with. I thought, man, how amazing would it be to, to go go here. So me and a couple other guys, other pastors I was with in that moment, we, we went to the Civil Rights Museum and my mom called me and, and when she called me, I was in this short little video, it's about a 10 minute video, 12 minute video that you have to watch before you continue on through the, the museum and my mom called and so I, I, I declined the call and I text her back and said, hey, in a, in, a, in a short video, call you back in a minute. You know, or like, hey, what's up? You know, what do you need? And she texts back and she says, hey, a family friend is, is uh, just had a stroke and is on a ventilator. And, um, and I was like, I was rocked. So I got up, called my mom. I was like, how serious is this? Like you said ventilator, like, is that like, 
is he gonna pass? And she's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's half of his brain functions already gone. Um, blood clots in his brain and had multiple strokes. And um, and I just was in that museum just, just crying, just lost it. Tried to hide behind a column so people wouldn't like see me. I was, I was just crying. I was hurt. I had the same questions that you probably ask sometimes. Why? My week was going really good until I got a phone call. My day was interrupted. My life was interrupted. And on Thursday we had to, to go to his funeral and, and celebrate his life. And he lived a great life but he was only 52 years old. And I thought to myself, why? You know, I, I don't have those answers. And honestly today, if you're searching for all of the answers, can I tell you that you may not always get all the answers on this side of heaven? I think it's important not to always ask why, but, but who? I think you can ask the questions why, and I think that's a natural progression. But I think it's also important to be reminded of who Jesus is, that he's all knowing, he's all powerful, and he steps into situations that sometimes we're unaware of. And you know what? Here's the deal, we found out after he died that he was, he had, he was getting ready to get a call in a couple of days that he had stage four cancer and was getting ready to die anyways. But here he at least didn't have to suffer. I heard, I heard words like, wow, God is so gracious and merciful that even, even in tragedy, even in pain, even in suffering, he allowed him to die in such a way that he wouldn't have to suffer for the next six to 12 months. I'll tell you the story to tell you this. We all have interruptions. How you deal with them, how you embrace them, that's what really matters. And so what we do is we if you're a believer, is we gotta turn our face to Jesus. Jesus, I don't understand. I don't get it, I don't, I, don't, I don't know why, but I know you do. I want us to be a church that stops the funeral procession for people. Why? Because I want to be like Jesus. I want us, to, I want us to, to stop. I want us to look around and say, dude, I see you. I see you, bro. 
I see you. Like, it's going to be all right. I know it's tough. It's going to be okay. And, and be able to speak into people's lives and be able to say, hey, there's greatness inside of you. Hey, it's okay that you hurt. Let me hurt with you. Let me, let me cry with you for a moment. But I want you to know it's going to be okay. Let's do life together. Let's do life together. You just got a new house, a new home. House party, let's go. <laughs> but how many people can you have over that are hurting? People that maybe don't even have hope in the Lord, but can see your family and see what God's done in your family over this past year and a half and the hope that y'all have found and the goodness that y'all are doing and the goodness that's, that lives on the inside of you and your family and people can see it and feel it and you stop the funeral of their life. Come on. Stopping the funeral. Come on. Like the things inside of you, the struggles, the questions, whatever, like other people have them too. And I think the beauty of doing life with other people is that we can say, hey, I'm not the only one. Can I tell you, you're not the only one in here that, that has a struggle, that, that's going through life, that's going through some, some stuff. Are you, are you going through stuff? Oh yeah. We're, we all could say, man, we're going through stuff. You know why it's important to, to place God's house as, as a priority? It's because, man, I can, I can hug this guy around his neck and I can say, bro, I love you. It don't, even, I, it don't even matter what stuff you're going through. Man, I'm gonna walk with you. Dude, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna make sure you're doing okay. Dude, I love you. Let's be a church like that. Stop the funeral. Look around. See what God's, God's wanting to do in other people because can I tell you, there's greatness on the inside of you. There's greatness on the inside. Everybody say that. There's greatness on the inside of me. Come on, some, some of you, you need to believe that today because some of you don't believe it. Come on, say, there's greatness on the inside of me. Come on, like, like, like say it again like you mean it, like, like you really believe it. Come on, there's greatness on the inside of me. And as a church, we're going to want to draw that out. But can I tell you, as we draw that out, I believe that you will begin to draw it out of other people. That God just doesn't want to use me on a microphone to do it, but God wants to use you. Why wait till next Sunday? Why not wait? Why not start tomorrow? Why not start today when you're at a restaurant eating and you tip really well because you're a Christian? I thought, I thought that was really good, but... Let's throw the shovel away. Let's stop burying our dreams. Let's stop burying those things that, that we think are dead or don't exist or, or aren't gonna work anymore because life has thrown us a couple of curveballs. I just believe in that God has ordained you to be here today to step into the walls of your heart and say, we're gonna stop the funeral today. It's gonna to be okay. Because what you 
think is impossible, all things are possible with God. Thank you for joining us on the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at myhoperising.co. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.